0: And thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Ron Wilson, CEO at InterviewStream and the host of Talent Storm, where we'll chat about everything that meets at the intersection of talent and organizational performance. We're focused on exploring the tips, tricks and techniques for identifying and fostering talent and creating high-performance individuals, teams and organizations. I'm excited to be joined today by Andrew Watts. Andrew has close to 30 years of experience in information technology and has held IT leadership roles in financial services, telecommunications, and education industries. He earned a degree in computer science from the University of Technology in Sydney, Australia, where he grew up, and also has a tremendous amount of international business experience. Andrew, welcome to the Talent Storm Podcast. I'm honored to have you with me today.
1: Thanks, Ron, it's really nice to be here, and uh, looking forward to participating today in the podcast.
0: Thank you so much. Would you mind uh, just spending a few moments giving our listeners a quick overview of your background and what you're doing today at Relativity?
1: Yeah, sure. As you, as you mentioned, I'm Australian originally, grew up in the suburbs of Sydney. I made the move to live here in Chicago in 2003 and I've worked for Chicago companies since then. At Relativity, I'm the chief information officer and uh, we are in the e-discovery industry, which is a part of the legal marketplace. We at Relativity build software that helps people organize data, discover the truth, and act on it. Um, Our product, Relativity, Relativity One, and Relativity Trace help our customers manage regulatory concerns, uh, unstructured data for litigation matters, uh, ensure that they're uh, doing everything they can to make the task of managing that complex set of unstructured data easier every day uh, and every time they, they need to make sense of it and hopefully find the truth of uh, legal matters and complex uh, concerns that they have to manage their businesses with.
0: Excellent. So uh, I, 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 uh, I'm I, glad Relativity is doing what they're doing. I could share a story from uh, back in my early career with having to do e-discovery without technology like you all produce. And um, boy, is that uh, never fun, especially for somebody like you in your role who, you know, is being asked to produce all that all that data.
1: Yeah, it's overwhelming to think about a time when it was boxes of paper or it was uh, carts full of hard drives and and things such as that. And I mean, I'm sure for some people it still is some of that in some parts of the process. But our our software and system makes it easier for the community of uh, professionals in our industry to. To do that in an easier way, search for important information or use analytics and machine learning to uh, discover the important uh, pieces of of conversation or documents and things like that so that they can uh, exchange that data faster. Uh, I can only imagine what it must have been like for people to do that work where it was all manual or all physical searching through paperwork or other types of information. It must have been very difficult. Indeed, indeed, indeed.
0: So I have to ask before we jump into more of the conversation about your background, your actual sure. Zoom background, like what, what sure. where, uh, what is that from?
1: Absolutely. That is an ocean pool or uh, an ocean um, swimming spot for those not familiar in Sydney, Australia, uh, and in some places around the world, I suppose, as well. Um, cities used to build pools like this right up on the beach or close to the headland of a beach so that uh, people could swim a little bit protected from the waves out of the swell, so to speak. And this particular one is in Bondi, Australia. It is uh, a spot that I like to go and look at. It's very pretty. I took this photograph, I think maybe three or four years ago before COVID-19 stopped me from traveling home. So it's a, I know it's at least two years old, um, but it was a nice, uh, beautiful, sunny day's walk out And was able to take a picture of some people enjoying the pool that day. I unfortunately did not get a swim in that day. So uh, it's just a, it's a nice memory to have there behind me.
0: So uh, I, I selfishly asked because um, actually uh, just over a year ago, I was right there at Bondi beach eating at the restaurant. That's just there up to go. the right yeah. <laughs> from, yeah. from where you're talking about. So uh, I thought that was it. So that's what I wanted to uh, to check on. Cause uh, we, we did a, a a holiday vacation over to uh, New Zealand and Australia last year and um, we were at that very spot.
1: So. It is it is at that very spot the Bondi Icebergs restaurant is there and I can highly recommend it to anybody. Ron obviously enjoyed it, I've enjoyed it, it's a great spot to sit and watch the world go by.
0: So, uh, so hey that leads into kind of the, the first area I want to talk about is you know as, as somebody who's got tremendous amount of international experience you know, the, the nuances that exist between different countries, cultures, you know, different people. Um, I'm just really, you know, um, keen to understand how you've gone about building, you know, successful, strong, high functioning teams across geographies, knowing the different nuances of, of the cultures and whatnot that exist. I mean, do you have any tips sure. or tricks that you, uh, you know, that you can share with us?
1: I do, I think. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm incredibly privileged to have lived in a few different countries and to have worked across many different um, countries. Um, each organization I've worked with has had some form of international presence right from my very first career uh, role to today at Relativity, where we have teams around the world. And uh, one of the things that is um, almost a given now, I think, in, in particularly for IT um, professionals like myself, is that uh, you're generally working internationally these days Uh, whether your customers are international, whether your colleagues are international, your vendors are international, you're often building teams either directly inside your organization or virtual teams that span borders of your company or borders of your vendors or your partners or your consultants and things like that. Um, Tips and tricks I've learned along the way are that uh, you know certainly there are very vast cultural differences that we all have to deal with in terms of background and country people are from and things like that but probably the first tip comes right out of that um the more differences you can see if you're looking for them i will guarantee you there are more similarities or you can at least balance a slate or a scale of similarities with differences so If you're out there looking at the differences and that's what you see, uh, look for the similarities. So for example, in IT, and I assume it's very true for other professions as well. I'm sure it's true in some cases for lawyers or for recruiting teams or for uh, finance teams. Uh, Many of the same things are done the same way around the world these days. Uh, Business is largely converging around similar ways of doing things, maybe not always the same. There are nuances, of course. But there's a lot of similarity, and uh, that can be a very uh, humanizing uh, thing to keep in mind when you work with your colleagues, for example, who are in China or India or Europe uh, or, of course, other parts of the world. Um, You certainly want to engage with them and understand them, who they are as people and what their culture um, helps them bring to the table, what kind of ideas and interesting perspectives they have from that perspective. Uh, But you can look for points of commonality as well around how business is done or how technology is used and so on, um, that would be one thing. Another would be that uh, from my point of view, um, you know, and this comes not just from international type perspective but it, it can be very local as well, but diverse teams generally win, they do better. Um, in my experience, it has been more work sometimes to get an international or a diverse team up and running whatever that team looks like but once you have it in place it will move faster better with more interesting ideas different perspectives driving different potential options that you might not have thought of before because you have an array of backgrounds you have an array of ways of working that would otherwise not drive innovation not spark creativity if you have just a bunch of people who all look the same or work the same or act the same working together. Um, and so certainly uh, tips like that are things that I've picked up on the way. And I'd be happy to talk more with you about some of those as well. Um, sometimes you you don't even know which tips you've picked up, uh, but those are a couple that stand out, particularly when you reference the idea of international teams uh, because they're yeah, naturally no, I, usually diverse.
0: Yeah. I, I love the, the point that you make, you know, where I think, a lot of people take the, the first approach of let's like figure out where all of our differences are. And you're talking about like, actually focus on similarities too. And uh, because I believe, you know, at the end of the day, humans are humans. I mean, we all have basic human needs and there are, you know, subtleties about different cultures or different ways we were raised and whatnot. So, you know, check out the, uh, make sure you understand where there are similarities in addition to the difference, uh, the differences, you know, make sure you understand who the people are also individually, just don't take macro level views of a culture or an environment. It's kind of what, what I uh, gathered. And then, you know, your point around diversity, you know, diverse teams, you know, I agree, are, are, are often hard to get through the, you know, forming, norming, storming uh, phases that teams go through. But those teams, once they establish that, their ability to perform is, is far greater. And I, I think, you know, we, it sounds like you, you two have seen all, all the studies out there and the articles written around how diverse teams, you know, uh, perform versus non-diverse teams, because as you mentioned, You know, you don't get the group think, uh, you know, when you have diverse teams, you just get, you get diversity and thought and creativity and, you know, problem solving and and whatnot. I think those are, uh, those are fantastic, you know, points uh, that you make around, uh, around
1: it. You
0: know, I'm wondering,
1: I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Ron. I
0: was just going to say, I was wondering when you, when you think about in, on an individual basis, like when you're recruiting people, when you're bringing people on board, you know, what do you look for in in individuals um, when you're recruiting, you know, people uh, onto teams?
1: It's a it's a spectrum of things, but for me personally, it's always been outcome focused. You know, the the key for me is that there there's a professional outcome that you're looking for from a from a resource that you're going to bring on board. And when you don't know a person well, you're looking to get to know them and understand their personality and understand their experience and their background a little bit to see if they're a good fit. You want complementary skills. You don't want, again, the same thing that you already have many of. You want additional complementary skills. Uh, but having said that, you know, you want people who are focused on results and outcomes, whether that's leading people, whether it's building process, whether it's... Managing technology, um, or if it's exercising a professional skill, um, sometimes you want experience. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're looking for people that are that are new, and you want to uh, help them gain experience. And you're looking for their raw talent or potential. When you are looking for people who are, you know, needed to produce outcomes, you're generally looking at their experience, what they've done, what they've seen. Uh, who they've worked with, what types of companies they've uh, worked with and, and inside of and, and what results they've produced. Um, I think you're also looking today particularly for, for great collaborators, people who can work across those diverse sort of um, environments that we talked about and, and understand that the team they're a part of is the greater thing to contribute to versus necessarily working as a a sort of a lone wolf so to speak even and and I mean that even for individual contributors right so even for Mm -hmm. individual contributors working as part of something that's a greater whole is usually important I'd say you're also looking for people who are adaptable and growth minded Um, in my opinion at least uh, particularly at relativity and companies I've worked at there's a lot of rapid change. You're always adapting the situation that you're dealing with in front of you in your operations or the uh, work you're doing with your customers or the business environment is always changing. And you need people who have that growth mindset that things probably won't be the same tomorrow as they are today. And they need to be ready for that. It doesn't mean be open to every and all change that's always happening. There's certainly the need to have people who have a steady state mindset. Uh, and can help you with stability and so on, as long as people can see that uh, you know change is something that's a constant, as I said, particularly in, in today's environment. The last thing I'd say that is a highlight for me, or at least stands out alongside the ones I've mentioned already, are people who are able to um, embrace things that are beyond the professional, work that we just talked about so beyond outcomes beyond collaboration beyond um, you know working across teams and things like that people who want to have fun grow themselves as humans uh, we all have a work-life balance to think about and i as you said you know humans are very similar across the board and i think it's important these days to work with people that you enjoy day to day Uh, and i think increasingly that's what we're all seeking in the world. Uh, we, we were looking for fulfilling careers, challenges to grow ourselves, but we're also looking for people that we enjoy working with. Uh, our professional lives are very much a part of our other lives today. They're not really as separate as we once maybe treated them as, and I think that's an important thing as well. So those are some of the things that I look for when thinking about teams that uh, I like to work with.
0: My friend, you are speaking my language. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it, it, it's talking about, you know, first off, I love how you start with, uh, it's all about outcomes and it's outcome specific to the role. And I think what you highlighted is you would need to be adaptable. What you're looking for in, in somebody is, is specific to the outcomes and the role that they're gonna be in. So, it, you know, sure. there's not like they, a universal approach per se. Now, with that said, you did talk about some characteristics and traits that I do think are more universal, being a collaborator, being a, a, a team oriented person, uh, having a growth mindset, being resilient, adaptable, you know, and, and boy, are we experiencing that more than ever in today's, you know, Absolutely. today's climate. Very
1: and and so. as you
0: said, in, in any high growth environment, you need to have these characteristics, otherwise, you're, you're going to struggle because as you said, what you're doing, you know, today is going to be different than yesterday and probably different than tomorrow. And it may pivot again back to what you used to do three days ago, but it's just, you know, the the world you need to be able to um, be comfortable in. And, um, and then the other thing that I really love that you talked about was embracing things beyond work and understanding that, you know, the, your professional and personal life now is more entwined than ever. This notion that you can just like tap out and leave it behind, or tap in and, and, and indulge in it, I, I think is an illusion. Um, these things are intertwined, and I think as leaders, like you know, like us, it, it's important to understand these things and create environments uh, where people can intertwine these things more. It can be vulnerable. Make sure it's safe. And then ultimately, uh, I couldn't agree, you know, our first core value in my company is have fun. And, you know, you, you talked about that. And in the statement, you actually, you, you made a statement that's actually in our definition, which is, you know, enjoying what you do, who you do it for, and the people you do it with. And, you know, and it's like, otherwise, why, why do it? Like, why wake right. up every day and, and go right. into work and do something if you're really not enjoying it and with, you know, the people that you are. So, yeah. really appreciate right that perspective. Go
1: ahead. Yeah, I think it's it's about intrinsically being able to authentically enjoy your life, right? I mean, if you if you create a home for yourself with things you enjoy in it and so on, you should have the same types of thought process when you apply that to your profession, the people you work with and where you spend Let's face it, half of our lives, uh, you know, half of our lives are focused on our careers. And if uh, you're going to think about what's inside of uh, your home, you've got to think as much about what's inside of your life, your family, your connections, and and your professional life is like that. Um, And as you said, if you get out of bed and you you can't face the day, it's it's not worth doing it. You've got to go find somewhere that allows you to do that. So I very much agree.
0: So um, I... I I want to lean into another aspect, and uh, I'll apologize in advance if this makes you a little uncomfortable. But, but the, uh, you know, you're, um, you've been recognized by peers and coworkers as an inspirational leader, and uh, and I think that's awesome because that's what I strive to be as a person and just really admire uh, in in others. And I'm and I'm just wondering, as somebody who's been acknowledged by others as an inspirational leader, um. What is it that you do, or what do you think it is about you that really helps personify that for others and and really helps tap into the motivation and drive of others to really get the best out
1: of them well first of all, I appreciate the uh, the recognition thank you i uh you know it's interesting I think um humility is a, is a is a really important thing and it, it as you said it's like is, does it embarrass you to hear that sort of thing and um, very much so it used to embarrass me to be recognized at all. Uh, a lot of people struggle with recognition. They don't like to receive it. They don't like to have a light shone on you. I get it. One of the things, yeah, one of the things I've recognized um, in a privileged position, which is, someone like me is privileged, right? I'm lucky to have reached where I'm at in my career and I'm lucky to have the job I have. I'm lucky to have employment right now in the, in the Wilbur. For, for me, it's about, first of all, recognizing that you are privileged and that you have a position from which to encourage other people, from from which to help them grow, from which them to help obtain context of what it is your business is trying to do to lift them up. Um, and so, you know, you talk about inspiration to me, leadership is about inspiration will come to people themselves, but you, what you can provide them with is context information, resources, experience, feedback, and ear, uh, being vulnerable with them and showing them there's a way of working that helps make them feel comfortable to be their authentic self. They'll find inspiration in things that you do by doing what you do if you enjoy your job, if you enjoy your life, if you enjoy your profession, if you rise to challenges, if you step in and also assist them um, and so to the extent that other people might recognize uh, things in me, uh, that's that's very rewarding. But I think ultimately it comes down to being who you are authentically, being available to other people to let them learn from you or to let them ask you questions or to let them see that you may have... Um, some amount of information that they need. And when you're in a privileged position, that's almost always true, right? And when you're a leader in a company, uh, you usually have more information than your employees do until you share it with them. So you should share it as graciously as you can, as openly as you can with as much information as you can so that they can do a great job then using that information. You've also got to give people time and space to grow, room to fail, room to succeed and then recognize them and push them forward. I I genuinely feel like today, maybe not when I was early in my career, but today I get no more enjoyment than seeing people that I've worked with before or around me, not necessarily for me, but around me going way past where I've ever been able to go or hopefully go well further in their careers than I will ever be able to go. Um, That's, it's actually more rewarding to think that you might've, at some point had a conversation with that person or uh, maybe help them in a moment that they needed it and so on to see them succeed. It, it's fun to watch people succeed uh, and it's, it's really nice to be able to have helped a little bit or a lot, depending on what it is that uh, your encounter with that person has been. So it's all about, I think, starting from being who you are and making yourself better every day. I would be, Standing here in in stark contrast, if I didn't say, for example, I don't think I was always growth-minded. I don't think I was closed off to growth, but I don't know what it meant. Now that I know what it means, I try to embrace it. I don't think I was at all aware of diversity and inclusion. Now that I am, though, I I need to live it, uh, and so on and so forth. And so paying those things forward uh, and offering the things that I've learned to others, by my experience and by my example is, is how I think you get it done. So I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, and as I said, though, I'm still growing, so I'm not finished and not being finished means, you know, I'm, I'm on a journey with that as well. So if people can take um, some learnings from that, I'm, I'm all the more happy to uh, have provided that somehow.
0: No, I love it. You, uh, again, my friend, we are, we, 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 it sounds like we are two uh, peas in the same pod here, <laughs> you know, with a lot of this stuff, because I think, you know, you, you got to walk the walk and talk the talk. Right. So you, you know, you really talk about you, you, you know, as I tell people, you know, one could say they're an inspirational leader all day. It really isn't true unless others believe it to be true. And, um, and I believe, you know, it starts with being authentic, being genuine, being transparent, you know, all things you've talked about, you know, listening, having empathy, getting to know people. Um, and another area I think you talked about that I love is, is giving people the autonomy, the freedom, the time and space, as you put it to, you know, to succeed or fail. And, uh, and I think that's something that's important as, as, as humans, um, that they need, and as leaders, we need to provide people to help them be the best versions of themselves because as you said and and i fully agree it's a journey it's not a destination and it's a journey you know once you get on it it's never going to stop right um and there's no like end point and so as i like to say evolve or dissolve
1: yeah particularly as you work alongside people in your professional career you you don't always see the journey sometimes uh, As it's happening, you know, you don't realize, as you said, that you're on a journey because you're so focused on destinations with the professional outcomes that we're all asked to perform all of the time. Um, But stopping and uh, taking stock of what you get done each day versus the outcome that happens at the end is, is, is really rewarding in and of itself. So, yeah, I agree with that.
0: Well, is um, you know another another topic I wanted to just touch on briefly is is mentorship, and I know um, you you do a lot of mentoring, and uh, I'm wondering is you know are there any you know tips or tricks you have for people who you know want to get into being a mentor and you know kind of how maybe they could lean into that um, and, and really help others.
1: I think the first tip is uh, be open to it um and then the second one is seek it out if you are someone who has advanced in your own career or even in something in life that you feel is is valuable and could be shared and could be useful to others uh you know make it known in your in your professional circle or in your in your private circle in your in your you know um community, wherever it is, you've got to make it known, first of all, that you're willing and open to it. Um, as far as once you've established the the, uh, the fact that you are there and you've got people asking you if you will be a mentor to them. Um, you know, I do I follow a particular pattern, at least I would call it. Uh, and I ask, for example, the mentee, to organise the cadence of times we'll get together, or the agenda, I'll ask them to think about what it is they wish to learn and what what their goals are for a period of time. Uh, and you know, being again as humble as I can be about it, I simply learned that from mentors I had, who I thought had a great way of working and a great pattern. And so I, I asked if it was okay if I mimicked that pattern. Um, and I think that's another tip, that would be my third tip, which is, you know, if you're gonna mentor people, I think it's really wise to be a mentee yourself. Uh, it's it's important to not just be in a position where you're, you're, I mean, who looks around them and thinks, well, I'm the only one who has any wisdom to provide, so I'll just provide it all outbound. You know, it's a really good idea to think about the fact that there's a whole lot of other people you could be learning from. and I, And I mean that in both ways. You could certainly be a mentee to mentors and just ask to receive some information, some guidance, some wisdom, some coaching, or some listening if that person's providing that. You can also learn a lot from the people you're mentoring. I mean, I I find myself constantly uh, challenged by the ideas that some of the mentors and mentees that I'm working with are providing me. I find myself stretched in really good ways. I find myself stumped sometimes when mentees are saying, well, I'm facing this in my career. I'm like, well, you know what? That didn't happen 20 years ago when I was starting in the workforce, for example. Uh, and then we puzzle through things together. So I think being an active learner, and it's, it brings in that idea of the growth mindset again. So mm-hmm. those would be three tips. I mean, you know, being open to doing it and letting people know you're open to doing it. Um, you know, Having and borrowing a plan for how to be a mentor, you know, uh, is, is important and having a pattern for how you'll perform that mentorship and then being a mentee, being open to learning new things yourself, both from the people that you are a mentor to and from your own mentors.
0: I love it. And, uh, again, boy, we, we, we think a lot of the same way, <laughs> you know, cause I, I often say, you know, coaching or mentoring, it's a two way street you know, and, and, you know, I can be coached and you can be coached and we're going to learn sure. and grow from each other. So it's really, like you said, it's a mindset going into it and it's going into it purposeful. And I love the, uh, the, the point of don't reinvent the wheel. If you don't need to, I, you know, sure. if something's working and you've experienced something, keep it going. Absolutely. You know? So, uh, so that's awesome. Um, are there any other topics you'd want to cover before we wrap up?
1: You know, I think one of the things that, uh, you folks do at your organization, is think about how to engage with talent um, and how to find great talent. Um, I'd love to you know, think a little bit uh, that we're all doing that today. We're always recruiting, we're always looking for the new uh, people in our network that we can work with and so on. I think you've brought together some interesting topics you've asked me about today, you know, leadership, mentorship, international diverse teams or uh, creating talented teams and things like that, I would say um, it's it's a really important contact point with people you're going to work with is that first encounter, that first time you're working with people. And I know that uh, your business, your products and things help with that process. And I wonder if uh, you've got some thoughts for me about what's changing in that world, uh, how the technology is enabling that or, you're finding it's evolving in in 2020 and beyond
0: well i i think you know um interviewing hasn't really evolved for quite a while i mean i can you know one of my favorite things to do is to to get out my strategies of effective interviewing from 1964. interesting Um, and 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 really nothing's changed and it's really just you know it's horrible and you know as as a hiring manager and a leader who's creating jobs and and in um, hiring people, you know, a lot of times the HR organization hasn't isn't evolving to really do what you need to do. And and you know what, what we you know what what leaders like you need is you want access to all the available talent out there. And in today's world, you know, as we talked about earlier, diversity is is critical. It's important because that's what creates winning, successful teams. And we need to be, you know, creating a, uh, enabling a hiring and interviewing process that really fosters diversity, that really drives, you know, equity and inclusion um, as well, you know, throughout the process. And so you really want an objective process where every candidate has an opportunity to be the best versions of themselves and that the hiring teams that are um, part of it understand the biases that they have. So that those can be reduced through the process so that everybody gets a fair chance and ultimately the hiring teams get more access to more diverse resources. And so we're really trying to use technology today instead of having, you know, uh, a recruiter just looking at a resume and trying to, you know, and, and frankly, a junior recruiter who's, you know, Recruiting for the IT organization who's never had a job in IT before, doesn't understand it, they're trying to look at a resume to ascertain whether or not this individual is going to meet the needs of the job that you've actually created you know, instead of, you know, that screening going on with some static document that really doesn't give you any indication if Ron, the, the applicant, has any, you know, really is a good fit and cultural fit and has the characteristics, traits, you know, along with the education and experience that you're looking for, what we're trying to do is let, let's give every candidate the opportunity to present themselves with a video recording of, three or four common questions that you would like to ask, you know, tell me why are you interested in this job? Tell me why do you believe you're qualified for this job? Tell me, you know, what interests you about relativity? Tell me something interesting about you, you know, outside of work. You know, and, and, and just quickly, and then you and your team could determine, okay, what are the types of answers in, in, you know, that we're looking for in people? So let's actually just take those video and audio clips, transcribe those down into text, allow you to search through it with synonyms and like phrases to source down and look through all these different candidates beyond just a resume to really give people that, you know, every person the opportunity to represent themselves and tell you uh, you know something about themselves in three minutes you know we're talking a very short period of time that enables you to go through a larger amount of resource giving more people opportunity and then the other thing that we're focused on is really making the process a two-way street because right now you know the candidates you know they know nothing about what's happening in the process where they stand what they're doing well why they didn't move on in the process what they need to work on and so we're really trying to leverage technology to enable two-way commun- better two-way communication between the hiring teams and the candidates and really taking the recruiter out of being the you know the middleman which often then just delays or gets in the way you know of, of the process really becoming effective at the end of the day
1: so so interesting it's this there's, there's a lot of overlap there between what we're doing at relativity and what you're doing in your organization with your technology and the outcomes i think uh, the diversity particularly is, is a big thing for, for us at Relativity, using technology to help process that information and make it easier for people to do what they do. Um, that's great to hear. It's uh, particularly interesting that the, uh, the processes that you're deploying and ours, even though they're for such different industries are aimed at similar outcomes, You know, making data easier for everybody to use, but also designed to meet the business outcome of having better more talented, diverse teams. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there, there was one final thing I wanted to uh, reminisce with you about from my past. And uh, sure. I was, um, so I, I too was in your role um, as a CIO for, for a, a billion dollar software company. And so I, I used to always say, you know, you know, like people would ask, well, who's the CIO? And I said, well, if there's 3,000 of them in the company. So I was just, you know, uh, reminiscing of, you know, you're running the the information technology in a technology company, and uh, I just wondering, you know, what what sort of uh, any any fun stories around that?
1: The fun for me is in knowing exactly what you mean, which is when you do work in a high growth software company or technology company, everybody's a talented technologist. And so they have ideas about what tools they need and about what data they need and about how things should work. Uh, and you've got to respect that. First, The first thing you've got to do is embrace it and respect it. I will admit to having been a leader in technology in places where it used to bug me. It used to bug me that everybody knew better than me about what they needed and so on. You know, I, I've turned that around for myself. I, 180, I, I, I embrace it. There are talented people around you. Listen to them. You're not going to have shadow IT, which is what we call a little bit of what you're referring to, if you embrace the idea that people can innovate safely, give them a little freedom to do that. And then as you think about how the tool, the technology, the work they do, the process they implement is getting to be a bigger part of your organization, you know, put, put some some work around that to make it safe and manage the risk and make it part of your core systems and so on. But don't, uh, push back on every idea. Don't push back on every new technology. Don't try to keep everything safe all the time. Uh, you can, Get to safety. We have an incredible security story at Relativity, not just for our products and the data we protect for our customers, but for our own fortress that we have around our company. And our employees really believe in that. Uh, And so when they believe in that and they have some space to innovate with new tools and technologies and they are their own CIO of their own data or product and things like that, uh, they tend to do a better job working with your IT organization in partnership. Uh, We have a great Partnership with our colleagues in the IT team at Relativity, and uh, I would I would not swap that for the world. Uh, I, I know the type of situation that you maybe are referring to in your previous life, and it can be very challenging when you're in any kind of you know unhealthy tension with those around you about what to do and how to do it with the tools and technology that they use. So I would just say embrace it, um, and uh, I like your analogy that there's 3,000 CIOs. That's that's a really great analogy.
0: No, and like you said, uh, it, the point is embrace it. it. It's actually you can really tap into that wealth of knowledge, and and, and really you you have a competitive advantage being, you know, in a technology company with a with a lot of technologists who have a, an extreme amount of knowledge, and uh, if you channel that, everybody wins, and that's why Absolutely. you know I I used to joke about it too, you know, in my younger years, you know, kind of like oh my gosh, everybody's got a perspective, but actually, if you embrace that perspective. Um, you can actually get a lot more done and, and and I would also imagine like you said, from a the other good aspect of it is people understand security in a technology company and it uh, makes a, makes a lot of the things I'm sure you need to do and in and enforce from a policy perspective a lot easier because people really get it.
1: Yeah, and they care you know it's it's important in what we do we we are managing really important data. And it's, it's something that people genuinely care about. And it is the right thing to do. You know, it's not just for your customers, but for your own company's data, your own employee's data. It's an important thing.
0: Well, uh, awesome. Andrew, I can uh, sit here and talk to you all day and night. Uh, I, I think it's uh, fascinating your background, fascinating what you're doing, and uh, really appreciate your time with us today and sharing the insights. You know, how can our listeners best connect with you? If, uh, if they're looking to, to get some more insight?
1: Sure. I think there's a couple of ways to connect to me and to Relativity. Uh, certainly for me, LinkedIn's a great way to look me up. My profile is there. Andrew Watts at Relativity. I'm the chief information officer. As, as far as I know, only one of us with that name doing that <laughs> job at Relativity. Uh, for our company, you know, our company website's a great resource for that. But if you also look up our our leading software, Relativity One, um, you'll, you'll find really interesting insights about what we do as a company, what our, what our employees are doing. Um, you can look up our company, obviously, on Glassdoor or in things like the Chicago Best Places to Work and things like that. You'll find out a lot about us there. Uh, but feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'd be happy to have a continuing conversation with people who might be listening.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Andrew will also put that in the show notes. Well, that's a wrap for our conversation with Andrew Watts. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you prefer to get your stream. We'd also really appreciate it if you'd provided us with a rating and review. If you have any questions or comments for us, please feel free to contact us at talentstorm at interviewstream.com. Andrew, thanks again for joining us today.
1: Ron, thank you for having me. I very much appreciated it. It's all good.
0: Cheers, everyone.